Tonight's scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. When men began to multiply on the face of the ground, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, and they took to wife such of them as they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, but his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men that were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the ground, man and beast and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. The word of the Lord. Look, we have a dominion problem. That's right, a dominion problem. I have it, you have it, Jeff Bezos has it, Nancy Pelosi has it, Harry Styles and Janet Yellen have it. Frank Sinatra, Joe Strummer, Dostoevsky, A.A. Milne, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, Steve Martin, Dean Martin, James Dean, and Steve McQueen all have a dominion problem. And yes... I know how similar that was to the opening of a Debbie Blue sermon called an homage. Or you could say I just rolled right in and claimed it for my own. Humans keep moving, spread out, dominate the land, civilize, build, educate, and innovate. Our people, which I guess would just be people, um, our people, they don't stay put. They don't stay satisfied. We want more, we do more, we learn more, we add a deck, we take part of the Ukraine. It's what we do. It's, what we, it's who we are, for better or for worse. And yes, there have been a lot of better and there's been a whole lot of worse. It's sort of what kind of got us into most of our trouble for most of the years we've been around. Since the very beginning, it's gotten us into a lot of trouble, big trouble. I mean, if you look at this book, our holy book, already in the sixth chapter of Genesis, this spreading out and dominating the earth is out of control. Already humans, I mean, humans were just created in chapter three, and already there are too many of them. They're increasing and spreading out too fast. 
humans are multiplying, going into each other and having babies, having little humans. And so the first thing God does to try and slow this whole thing down is to put a time limit on the human life. God says, my spirit shall not abide in mortals forever, for they are flesh. Their days shall be 120 years. Yeah, God cannot abide them. He cannot abide them. And the thought of all of them, like living on and on and making more and more of them, it was too much. 120 years. That's it. But even that wasn't enough to bring things back in line because that same impulse, that same drive the people had to increase and spread out all over the earth, didn't that just drive them to go new places? Evidently, it drove them to try new things. In this very strange and intriguing little bit of scripture that's coming up, we learned that the people were not only increasing and multiplying with each other, but the humans and the angels were also hooking up and producing giant babies. No, wait, I mean baby giants. Wait, I mean the result of the angels and the humans mating produced the Nephilim, who were giants. According to the Midrash and certain translations um, of the text, it just says right in there, giants. The text says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterwards, when the sons of God, the angels, went into the daughters of humans who bore them. They were the heroes of old and warriors of renown. The heroes of old and the warriors of renown. I feel like I want to hear more stories about the heroes of old and the warriors of renown. I mean, like what has made them heroes? And heroes of old, what does that mean in this context? You know, like, time is just sort of getting started here. You know, like, the people haven't been around long enough for there to be ancient history. So the heroes of old, what? I don't know. And the warriors of renown? I'd like to know what made them so renowned. I mean, renown, that's a good thing, right? Like, renown, acclaim, distinction, eminence, glory, honor. Heroes of old and the warriors of renown. Am I the only one thinking that this has to be a reference to some movie with Sean Connery and Morgan Freeman? And on top of all this being heroes of old and warriors of renown, they are also giants. But whatever the Nephilim did to earn their heroic old renown, God did not like it. The text continues, The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created. People together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. How sad is that? I will blot out from the earth the people I created and all the animals I created and every creeping thing and the birds and everything, for I'm sorry that I ever even made them. Don't you feel bad for God? I mean, don't you just want to hug him? 
Then you would say, come on, you can make more, you know? I mean, I guess it was sort of bad, too, for the people and the animals and the creeping things and the birds, too. Yeah, wait a minute. Hold on. I think it was really, really bad for the people and the animals and the creeping things and the birds. First of all, what did the animals and the creeping things and the birds ever do? I mean, I think it's those angels God should be talking to. You know, what about them? I mean, it takes two to make a hero of old, a warrior of renowned giant. People aren't making giants on their own. I don't think so. And come on, God is so upset by people increasing and spreading out all over the earth, so much that he can't abide it. He can't abide it. He has to put an expiration date on people. People, because they're multiplying and spreading out all over the earth. But he's the one that told them to do it in the first place. I mean, come on, he could not have been more clear. It's like the first thing God ever says to the people. It was just like day six. God creates people, and God blesses them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over it, over the fish and over the birds of the air and every creeping living thing that moves on the earth. The people were not going to make that up. I mean, it's not like God talked to them that much, you know? There weren't a lot of rules at this point, not a lot of instructions, you know, basically just the two. First, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and the sea and all the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And the second, whatever you do, do not eat that fruit. I mean... How could he be so upset about them spreading out all over the earth and having dominion on the earth? That was the rule they followed. I don't understand. And even before God created them, even before God created them, he says to himself, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the earth cattle and all the wild animals and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. You know, it was part of the original plan, have dominion over the earth. That's how he made people. That's what he made people to do. People were created to multiply and have dominion. Like every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth is created to be a creepy thing that creeps upon the earth. That's what they're made to do. So what else are people going to do, right? When people started multiplying and being super fruitful and spreading out over the earth and having all kinds of dominion, they didn't know it was going to lead to their wickedness being great all over the earth and with the incl every inclination of their thoughts and their hearts being only continually evil. And no one could have seen the angel thing coming, you know? Maybe things did get out of hand. But... Do you have to go blotting people out? Do you have to go blotting out every living creature, killing every little thing? It seems over the top. It seems over the top. I mean, I think I can honestly say that no matter how bad it gets, killing every little thing always seems a bit too far. Like, use your words. You know, what about a little help along the way? 
Sure, mistakes were made in the garden, but we paid for them. But after that, I mean, before things got really out of hand, maybe step in with some guidance, maybe even a little admonishment. Just talk, okay? Something. Even all the talk about how sorry God is that he made people and how he's going to kill everything, he's not telling that to the people. He's talking to himself. But sure, he finds words, all kinds of words, when it comes time for making plans to drown everyone. He finds Noah and tells him everything. Look, God says to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and now I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make me an ark. An ark? Yeah, an ark. Okay, what's an ark? Don't interrupt. I'm just about to tell you about the ark. Okay, so how do I make an ark? That's what I'm just about to tell you. And God goes on and on and on and gives Noah detailed instructions on how to build an ark, every measurement, what kind of materials to use, instructions on what to bring with him, all the animals, and how he's going to make it rain and how everything's going to be destroyed. The story goes on for four chapters. Four chapters. Four chapters of the first nine chapters of the Bible are dedicated to this flood story. The great deluge, as it is known. And a word I find I want to be able to say whenever possible. The great deluge. It seems that this is an important story. Getting this much real estate here. And this isn't the only deluge story around. Tons of cultures have them. There's the Mesopotamian flood stories. The Greeks have a couple. There are Native American versions. And the flood is always the result of humanity's wickedness, the evil that people do. Zeus was just as fed up with people as God. He saves an old couple and then sends a flood and drowns every other living thing. I mean, what makes this story so important that it shows up so many different places that is given so much weight in the opening chapters of our holy book. I mean, it's not even as if, like, this story after all that time, after all these four chapters, ends in a beautiful, amazing way. I mean, sure, the water, he builds the ark, the water, you know, you know the whole story, the water recedes, and he finally gets out, and he makes a sacrifice, um, and God smells the sacrifice that Noah's made, and this is what he says. He makes this promise. You know, the rainbow, it's beautiful. I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Either I will, neither will I ever again destroy every little living creature as I has done, have done. What? I mean, so this is, this is what he, he, this is his promise. It's not all rainbows. He's like, I will never again destroy the earth because the hearts of man and man's imagination is evil from his youth. God basically figures out, what are you going to do? You know, I tried destroying all of them, and I just think they're, that's just, they got evil hearts. So the rainbow, yeah, it's nice, but it's really, we didn't really have many options. They weren't paying attention. Why not put a bow on it? So... Then he goes on, it says here, the text says, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, 
Be fruitful and multiply and spread all over the face of the earth. And I, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon the whole earth and every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the air and upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, as I have given you the green plants, I give you everything else. So, he blesses them and tells them the same thing, be fruitful and multiply, which I would be a bit hesitant if I were them to do that, but then something has changed. He doesn't just give them dominion over every living thing. Now God says that the fear and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon every bird of the air. The fear and dread. Even the fish are afraid of them. That's different. Like somehow after this whole process, the wickedness and God destroys everybody and it just actually in the end seems to make the world just a little bit of a darker place. Why is this such an important story that it gets so much space here that it's in so many different cultures? Why is it important for so many people to tell a story about their creator killing them because of how wicked they are? Why is that an important story that people want to tell? I don't know. What does it mean? And what does it mean that our people start out telling a story about how wicked people were, so wicked that God killed them, and end up telling a story about how wicked people are, so wicked that we killed God? 